0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Our gospel reading today quite simply illustrates how the church grows. This might be my church growth sermon uh, for the year, Uh, but um, essentially what it is, is it's people leading people to Jesus. And all of us who are committed Christians are indeed the fruit of a very long chain of people sharing the gospel that goes all the way back to this very moment. Andrew sharing the revelation of God and Jesus Christ with his brother Peter. And then as we continue to read in John chapter 1, um, Nathan, uh, Philip brings Nathaniel. So there's this long chain. However, sometimes especially in our society in our day uh, evangelism can become a little formulaic there's all sorts of books on the formula of evangelism and you know 10 steps to do this and 10 steps to do that and so uh, evangelism can become a little rote and formulaic and empty of the spirit or even worse sometimes the validity of evangelism is based on us You know, Jesus becomes the divine and heavenly Pepsi challenge. I used, my life used to be a mess. You know, it was terrible, and I didn't have any friends. And then I met Jesus. And, you know, now I'm great. I'm the life of all the parties, and I have lots of friends now. You should follow Jesus, too. And, um... That uh, is interesting, but the problem is is that it strips evangelism of its power, and it makes evangelism about what we're doing as opposed to uh, what God is doing through um, our message. Uh, What I want to do today is remind you of the power of evangelism by talking about 1 John the Baptist and what makes a prophet a prophet, Uh, Two, I want to talk about uh, what makes Christianity ultimately unique in the pantheon of religions. And then because it's ultimately unique, what makes it ultimately prophetic? And then the third thing I'm going to tell you is, is, why is that such good news? Because when it's good news, what it makes our message, the gospel, it makes it impossible for one to contain themselves. Therefore, making you, as you share this message, prophetic. It was literally just at a wedding. Um, two parishioners were married and, and we were at the reception and I was sitting across the way from another parishioner and we were talking about the gospel and the guy next to us and how the gospel is found throughout the Old Testament. And the guy next to us was like, what are you talking about? I never heard this before. And then all of a sudden we were sharing the gospel with him, but it wasn't something like we had intended. It became natural because it's unable to cont- we're unable to contain it. So John the Baptist and what makes a prophet a prophet. In the history of Israel, in the history of Israel, the role of the prophet was significant. Uh, They were usually and typically hated by the kings and the administration of Israel. But the reason what made them unique and significant was that their message was never their message. When we heard the voice of Isaiah, that wasn't his message. Their words were never their words. Um, we heard the voice and the words of Isaiah, but they were while they were his words, they weren't his words. Rather, their message and their words belonged to God. They were the word of the Lord. And in the Old Testament, the message of the prophets usually came in three parts. The first part was calling out Israel, which was a theocracy, calling out Israel's sin and the need for repentance. Second, the impending judgment that was coming as a result of Israel's sin and rebellion. And then finally, the third part of that message was how God was going to take care of it. You see this throughout the Old Testament prophets when you read the book of Isaiah, when you read the book of Jeremiah, when you read the prophets, the minor prophets. You see these three things intact. And including in Matthew's account of John the Baptist and Luke's and all of the accounts for that matter. You see this in John the Baptist's message whom Christians believe is the seal of the Old Testament prophets. John the Baptist calls Israel to repent. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The second thing that he does is he speaks of the impending judgment that is going to come upon the state. His axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And then the third part of that message is how God is going to deal with this. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering the wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And this all culminates, this all culminates with what every Old Testament prophet pointed to. Bang! Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So this is my first point. John the Baptist and being a prophet and what makes a prophet. What makes a prophet a prophet was that ultimately they pointed Israel. Ultimately, they point the whole world to God's solution to our problem of sin, rebellion, and death. John doesn't point to the universe as our solution. You know, hey, the universe will take care of it. Just stay positive. He doesn't do that. Nor does... (laughs) I've heard somebody say that once, and I was like, God, that's scary. But anyway, (laughs) so impersonal. But anyway, uh, he doesn't point to the universe. He doesn't point to our piety or our attempts to maybe give it another shot. You know, John points to the solution, which is Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John points, you see, when he points to the Messiah, he gives him a very specific, specific title. You know, there's a real trend in the church today to like downplay the atonement and on part because the atonement the theology of the atonement and the doctrine of the atonement has been uh just elevated with straw men for like the last 200 years uh no one's really delved into the depth and the meaning of it but everybody's like oh i don't like talking about the atonement i hate the atonement and i can tell you why and i can tell you why it's good in uh, later but and go into more detail with that but but he points he he points to jesus as something very specific he says behold the lamb of god that takes away." Away the sins of the world. Uh, lambs were all about atonement in in Israelite culture. The first hearers of John's message to hear G, uh, John point to Jesus and say, "Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world." This would have pointed to three very specific things. The first thing that would have spoken to would be the immediate context. And this would have been the temple sacrifice of the lamb that happened daily in the temple in Jerusalem, which atoned for the nation's sin. Behold the lamb of God, sacrifice. The second thing it would have drawn them to was the lamb that was sacrificed for Israel's redemption out of slavery in Egypt during the Passover. Behold the lamb of God. The third thing this would have pointed to would have conjured up the prophet's The prophet, specifically Isaiah, who, when speaking of the solution, speaks of a lamb who was led to the slaughter, upon whom the iniquity of the world is laid upon, or is laid. All religions have sacrifices to appease their gods. I I don't like, I don't like sacrifice, I don't like talking about it. Nonsense. Justice is hollow without sacrifice. Hear me on that. Justice is hollow without sacrifice. Some religions offered lambs or other animals. In some religions, you offer yourself through your acts of piety and self-denial. Some even offered actual people. We do that. We do that in our society. It's called cancel culture. And, you know, God help you, if anything you wrote ten years ago uh, comes out, and heaven forbid you've grown in any way, it doesn't matter. Our culture will kill you. It is cruel. If I wasn't a Christian, I would be an atheist. And um, if I wasn't, and I'd probably be joining the cancel culture. You know, justice! You know, never mind what I've done, the log in my own eye. But if I wasn't an atheist, I'd be a practitioner of Aztec polytheism. That's an amazing religion. Uh, they had a very high view of the atonement. All they wanted was your heart, literally. And um, if your heart wouldn't do, they'd take your neighbor's. And so, But my point being is that every religion, every religion, even atheism, cultural atheism, involves... I mean, just think about all the gulags. Think about the Uyghurs in uh, western China. Those are sacrifices to an atheistic state. Every religion involves sacrifice. And we talk about justice and look at the NBA, look at the the Premier League, how it sweeps it all into the table because, you know, we don't want to make that sad, the sacrifice of our money. But every religion involves making sacrifice to a God to atone for our sins and shortcomings. However, here's the great truth of Christianity. Here is the great mystery of Christianity, which sets it apart from the pantheon of the religions of the world and ultimately makes it prophetic. God offers his only son. God offers the lamb. And this was never plan B. You remember when Abraham marches Isaac up to the top of Mount Moriah where the temple eventually stood and Isaac is like, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham looks at him and says, son, God will provide. This is what it's all pointing to, that God will provide this sacrifice. God will provide it. God offers his only son, his blood for your blood. He is the judge in our place, he is condemned in your place. He takes away the sin by becoming sin as the lamb who atones for not just Israel's sin, but for the whole world's sin. And he does this as our great Passover lamb that redeems us from slavery, not just in Egypt, but the sin of bond the slavery and the bondage of sin and death. He is that atonement land which not only atones for Israel in the moment, but atones for Israel and the whole world for eternity. And as our lamb, he has borne every single one of our iniquities. And let me tell you something. There is nothing more inclusive than that message. Because that message levels everybody and puts them on the same playing field. You'll often hear it said, "Oh my God, Christianity is so exclusive," and indeed, like some, the message has been skewed, and it, it can come across exclusive. But when it is understood in its essence, it is nonsense because we believe that everyone is a sinner and that everyone is in need of saving. Remember, Jesus is not simply the redeemer of the redeemable. Jesus is not simply the savior of the salvageable, those who are kind of pulling it together and getting it better and are going to do it next year. Or those who simply believe in him. He is the savior of the whole world. He takes away the sin of the whole world. No sin is unaccounted for. No sinner, even yourself, is ever left out. He saves the world by becoming the world's sin. And if you're sitting there thinking in your pew today, but not that, Jake, no, that is taken care of in Christ's death as well. And this is my second point. Every other religion of the world, man must seek and find God. Every other religion of the world, man must atone for himself. The gospel tells us, though, flips it all on its head and says, God seeks, God finds, and God saves man, humanity, by becoming humanity. And this is profound because Christianity, therefore, follows. If you've ever seen the Eisenheim altarpiece with John the Baptist and his finger elongated, Christianity follows that long finger when it's in its purest form right to the cross of Christ. Christ. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And that reveals itself today in the word preached where you hear the forgiveness of your sins. It reveals itself in water where you're giving the promise of uh, of forgiveness. And it comes to you every Sunday around this table. Behold the Lamb of God as you are assured of your forgiveness. And you see, this is all about Jesus, not about you we want to make everything about us even our religion even christianity and because this prophetic word is not about you but about what god has done for you the next church merch should be ww what has jesus done for you not what would you do for jesus but or what would jesus do but what has jesus done for you that's what we need to be reminded of And because this prophetic word is not about you, but what God has done for you, when it comes to evangelism, sharing our faith actually becomes natural and truly free. Freeing. And it becomes natural and freeing in three very specific ways. First, we're freed from from having to worry about the legitimacy of our experience. Because, truly not because 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 our claims of self-improvement are no longer seen as the basis of the witness of our faith i mean if it was about self-improvement i would have been disqualified at about seven thirty this morning you know uh, uh, seven years ago even before right, like right from when i was born this is the thing It's not about our self-improvement. The truth of the gospel, it's outside of you, and it's not contingent on the ebbs and flows of your inner lives. You are saved despite those things. If anything, the ebbs and the flows of our life confirm our need for the Lamb of God all the more. Second, because your sins are forgiven and have been taken away by Jesus... You're actually free and given permission to confront and confess your pain. We're no longer having to pretend to be anything other than what the gospel tells us we are. And on one side, that's hopeless sinners. Yet, because of God's unbounding grace and mercy in the Lamb of God, made children of the same, beloved children of the same, firstborn sons of the same. Third, it puts us on our knees and finally takes the onus off of ourselves and puts it right where it belongs, upon Jesus, the Lamb of God who's upon the cross. And because it levels us and puts us at the same level, it gives us compassion for other people. It gives us compassion for the addict. It gives us compassion for those who are stuck in a rut that they can't seem to get out of. And enables us to share with fellow sinners and sufferers the love of God found on the cross, which promises and proclaims redemption and respite despite our feelings or how we're living. And to the compulsive addict, the addicted person, whatever that may be. This makes all the difference in the world. And this is my third point. What's evangelism about? Well, it's about, in a practical sense, disciples, you and I, making disciples. However, it's not, nor has it ever been about us. And that's really, really freeing. Our gospel reading tells us that Andrew brought Peter. Peter. And the truth is, when our message is not about us, but what Jesus has done for us, we are that prophetic voice of John. We're that prophetic voice of Andrew calling out in the concrete wilderness of New York City Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins, every sin of the world. That's when we're bringing people to Jesus. That's what evangelism is all about. It's not talking about what God has done for me lately. It's not about telling my personal story of how I decided to follow Jesus and I used to be like this and I used to be like that. If you read the book of Acts, I mean, the the testimony of the apostles is uh, this Jesus whom we all crucified, God has raised from the dead and made him Lord of all things. That's the testimony. To witness is to point to Jesus, to point to the word, to point to water, to point to bread, to point to wine. And simply say, Behold the Lamb of God. And maybe it's evangelizing yourself. But behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, can make an online donation at calvarystgeorgesorg slash giving. Thank you.